Hey, thanks for checking out the Good Lion Podcast. This is part two of a conversation between me and my co-host, Brian Higgins, about youth ministry. Both of us have served for many years in the local church as youth pastors. We're currently out of those jobs, but we'd love to impart just the things that God has shown us to other youth workers. So the last episode was us talking about five things that we would tell ourselves if we could go back in time and speak to ourselves when we first started youth ministry. Today's episode is going to be Q&A. We got questions sent in by some different youth pastors, and we're going to tackle those now. So here we go. Do we want to do Q&A? Yeah, let's do Q&A. So we've got some Q&A to do as well. We did our five things, but we've also reached out to some youth pastors that we know who are just getting started or some youth volunteers who are just getting their ministry run going. And we said, what are the things you guys want to know right now? And these are their questions. So if your name is Vincent Fernandez and you've been listening for an hour and you've been wondering, when are we going to get to your questions? That part is right now. Praise the Lord. I'm going to throw you Vinny's first question. Here we go. He asks, what are some tips you have to balance both full-time and part-time college ministry and leading a youth ministry? So that's, that's very specific to Vinny's situation, but just um, for anybody, if you are bivocational and you're working a job and running a youth ministry, or if you're working at a church where you're expected to run multiple ministries. So for you... Why don't you just, you, you, this is your situation. So just, you can speak into this. Yeah. I mean, my situation was really similar when I started. I was still in college when I became the part-time youth leader at the church. Um, the biggest thing is recognizing that you will not be able to hang out socially as much as you once were. Hmm. Um, Cause that was the big thing for me. I felt like I wasn't able to balance everything. Do you mean socially like with the students or do you mean with... Uh, no, no, like with friends. Yeah. Youth ministry is a huge sacrifice in that department. Yeah. Because what I was trying, I felt like, oh, I have no time. Like what's going on? And then I realized I was doing youth ministry stuff and I was in school and I was trying to hang out with my friends just as much as before I took the youth ministry job. Yeah. And that's where I felt like, well, how do I balance all of this stuff? A lot of it is setting the priorities and saying, you know what? I... I'm okay if I hang out with my friends once a week. That's not that big of a deal. Right. I, I can afford to give that up. Um, I can... A lot of it is the longer you go, the more efficient you'll be in youth ministry in terms of like prepping a message. When I first started, it took forever to get a message to a point where I felt like I was ready to teach it. So you're going to get quicker at that task. Um, but a lot of it is just setting what are the what are the absolute things I need to do What are the things that it'd be cool if I could get that done? And what are the things that are just like nice projects that I should get to if I have time? Because if you don't set those distinctions of priority, you try to do all the things you can think of in ministry and you're just never going to have time for all of that. That's great. Yeah. Just really quickly, something that has been huge for me is the loaves and fishes mentality, which is, you know, you've got that little kid. There's tons of people to feed. He's like, I've got, I've got two fishes and some loaves. Was it how many loaves and how many fishes? Do you remember? I'm uh, I don't remember the kid being as British as you just made like, him. Please, sir, take my fish and my loaves. <laughs> I think it was five and two. Okay, there we go. Five He's, loaves. He two gave. Fish. Obviously, it wasn't enough, and he just he gave God what he had, and God multiplied it and used it. So just with everything, with events with sermon prep, with all of your great ideas and visions, just don't overextend yourself. Don't overcommit yourself. Do your best 
and let Jesus take care of the rest, as, as Keith Green always used to say. Um, Brian, why don't you hit me with question number two from the Vin Man? Do you have those up? I do not. Well, then I will ask the question to myself. Sounds good. Question number two, what advice would you give to a youth pastor who has leaders that are mostly older than him? I can speak specifically to this because there is an amazing volunteer who is still in the youth group. Her name is Rebecca. She was a volunteer when I was in the youth group. When I was 15, Uh, she was in that youth group in the high school ministry at Calvary Chapel Vista. She's been through all of its different names, Elias... Uh, Crossroads, Hope's Anchor, all the other ones. We had like four different youth pastors when I was a kid. Um, Yeah. So when I got into that position, I was like, oh my gosh, she was around when I was 15. Like, that's embarrassing. She she knew me when I was just like this goober. Like, how can I have any authority or any sort of confidence around her? Um, She's older than me and she's, she's been around since I was a kid. So I came into that situation uh, just definitely worried about it and, and just scared. And she just ended up being the nicest and kindest and sweetest, most encouraging volunteer of all time. Uh, she's still killing it. We love her at Calvary Vista. But for, for those of you who are listening and, and you struggle with this, where your leaders are mostly older than you, I would just say lead with confidence, but just have humility. Like, don't boss people around and you shouldn't do this no matter how old your group is, but don't come in with this idea of like, well, they need to respect me and I'm the authority figure and blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. Just come in with humble heart to lead with a humble heart to lead and let them know the vision and ask for their help. Say, this is what I want to do. This is what I feel God is calling us to in the youth ministry. Can you please help me with this? And listen to their wisdom, like listen to their guidance. If they're older than you, if they've been Christians longer than you, it's it's great that you've been made a, a leader in that context, but also respect their leadership in the sense that you are coming to them humbly saying, hey, can you help me as a leader grow? Can you help me um, develop, you know, as a youth pastor? And if you listen to these people, I, I truly think you'll grow. Absolutely. You're all one team. Yeah. Come to them humble. Don't be afraid to show them the weaknesses and the insecurities that you have. Uh, part of what they are there to do is to help you through them. It's awesome. Question number three, uh, what are some ways to empower your leaders to make them feel like they have a bigger role? Give them a bigger role. Um, I don't know. Step uh, down, quit, make them all yeah, the youth pastor. Give, give Go them your home. job. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. You really want them to step up, make, make them have to. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing is, or the two big things I would say is one, always be selling them on how important discipleship is. Yes. Because if they are owning the discipleship of some students, that is the biggest role they could possibly have. Yeah. You know, just keep reminding everyone the importance of that. Push people towards it. Don't be discouraged if it happens slowly, but just keep pushing people towards it. Um, and then when you give them a certain thing to run, give them real decision-making ability. Yes. Don't, don't demand that they run all their decisions by you. Yeah. Um, but give them a real chance and, and even don't be afraid to tell them like, I'm not sure how that's going to work, but you're behind it. So I'm behind it. Yes. I trust you. Let's do this. When they feel that they have decision-making power then they're really going to give it everything they've got. Yes. Involve them in 
everything. Let them teach. Build a teaching team. Don't be the one voice that your kids hear for four years or however long they are with you. Show them the value in hearing other voices and perspectives. So raise up leaders, train teachers, and let them plan events. Like give them an event and say, hey, I have this idea for an event. Or even just like, hey, this Friday night, a month from now is open. I want you to plan an event. I want you to come up with the whole thing. I'll help you. I'll basically be your assistant. You tell me what you want to do and let's do it. That can be so empowering because yeah, if 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 you're trying to think, if I leave, if I end up getting called somewhere else or if I die or something, you know, are these people going to be able to step in to do this job? They're not going to be able to do it unless they know how. So raise them up to know how, and don't call them volunteers. I would say, call them leaders, like Mm -hmm. make sure the kids know, like, these are your leaders. I would always say to my leaders, yeah, I'm the youth pastor in the sense that I am paid on staff to run this ministry, but we're all pastoring these kids. We're all shepherding these kids. That's what a pastor does. A pastor isn't like in the Bible laid out as some paid position, um, you know, where we're more holy or spiritual than anyone else. It's it, a pastor is a shepherd. And I look at small group leaders. I look at youth group leaders and I say, if they're doing their job right, they they're actually shepherding and leading these kids. Yeah. Totally agreed. Cool. Um, this question we already talked about a lot. How do you measure success in youth ministry? There's an app you can get on your phone called uh, youth ministry ranker. And you just look up where you are anytime. And uh, mm-hmm. it's really discouraging. I would encourage you never to get that app. The number is going to be way bigger than you think it's going to be. Or way lower. Yeah. One of those. Um, Whichever way. Yeah. It, it works. Yeah. Okay. Here's an anonymous question. How do you build community coming into a new place? Brian, you once came into a new place. How did you build community? Once. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think so much of building community is figuring out what community was like in that place. You know, for you, it's new. Everything is a a blank canvas. You have just nothing but possibility and opportunities. For all of the people who are still there, they have history. They have experience. They have momentum. They have all of these things that are playing into the way that they think about community now. You've got to figure out what those things are. Yeah. You've got to ask the questions. Um, So don't go in as the teacher saying, I will now show you what community is like. Go in as the student. Yeah. And say, what has community been like? And, And as you ask people those questions and give them that place sometimes to vent and to talk through the ways that they haven't always liked the way that things have gone or to be able to celebrate the things that they love that have gone on before. As you do that, you find that you're building relationships all along, but you're doing it in a much more humble manner than if you show up and say, I've got the answers. Here we go. Right. And one way that could look is like if you show up, uh, let's say you're working at one church and then you get called to come on staff at a different church. If you show up and you're like, I'm just going to implement all of the methods of what community looks like at that old church and you're not respecting the cultural context you're coming into you're probably going to hurt a lot of people's feelings and cuz they have in their mind like this is what I this is what community looks like and change is good but sometimes as young youth pastors we can just be like I don't care what the old guy did I'm just going to do my own thing I'm just going to blow mm-hmm. up his vision and just do my own thing and I I really do think it's important to recognize the the context of where the people are at and try to adapt with it and then Instead of replace their old way, I think merging is better. Like finding a way to take your vision and then merge it with what's 
already going on. Does that kind of make sense? Totally. Completely agree there. Cool. So here is another question. What are some practical steps in developing a strong leadership team? Do you want to start on that one? Yeah, sure. Um, Practical steps in developing a strong leadership team. I think one of the best things you can do in forming a strong leadership team is not just to tell them what to do, but I think it's showing them what to do. I think that comes from being really open and honest with your leaders about the struggles of youth ministry and being really open and honest with like the pains of youth ministry and getting together with your leaders. We would do uh, a once a month uh, just gathering at my house for all the youth group leaders. And we'd sit around the fire in my backyard. We'd sing worship songs together. And then we'd just talk about youth ministry. And there was never really like, I didn't come with any agenda. That's just how I'm wired. You know, you might be more of an agenda person listening to this and you've got your bullet points you want to go through. That's great. But we would talk about youth ministry. We'd talk about our kids. We'd talk about the struggles. We'd talk about the the ups and the downs. And through those conversations, I feel like that forged this bond between us where it was very evident to, at least I hope it was very evident to all my leaders that I didn't consider them servants. You know, I considered them friends. Like Jesus says to his disciples, you're no longer my servants, you're my friends. I wanted to build this and foster this environment where it was like, we're on a mission together. It's not like, it's not that I'm the the staff guy and you're the people who are just here to make my life easier. It was, we're missionaries and this is the tribe, you know, this crazy, you know, tribe of middle schoolers or high school students. This is the tribe that we've been sent to, to be missionaries. So let's pray for these kids. Let's love these kids. Let's share the the stories and the trials and the, the joys and the, the sorrows of it. And for me, like that was what formed the strong leadership team. It wasn't necessarily me, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, I, what I do you think, think? I think those are all great points because I think what I would say to that is if your leaders only think that you care about how they serve mm. and not them as people. Yeah they will not respect you as a person. They will only think of you as a coworker. Yeah. And that's, that's a way to make a youth group feel very professional and oh, very yeah. uh, business oriented. Don't do instead that. Instead of, no, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. You want it to feel very family-like. You want it to feel very personal and very open. And uh, you want to feel like the people are willing to share their lives together. Yeah. Uh, you got to be the one that sets that tone. So yes. really invest in not just caring about, Hey leader, how did, how did small groups go? But also then learning, how are you doing? What's yes. going on in your life when they have something that they're going through, make that an important part of your prayer list and reach out to those people and say, Hey, you told me about this. How did that go? You know, when you really care for the leaders, like ultimately I reached the point at the end of my ministry where I was mostly focused on leading the leaders. Yeah. Same. And the leaders were really focused on leading the students. Yeah. 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 And, and I would also say have expectations but have realistic expectations, especially if you're a staff guy. Like you and I, Brian, we were both staff guys, so we can confidently speak into this. We're not speaking from the outside, we're speaking from the inside. If you're a guy paid on staff to be a youth minister, that's awesome, but that's a gift. It's not something where it's like, oh, I deserve this because I got my 
masters of divinity or because I did mm-hmm. once one semester of Bible college. Uh, with, that's, that's my story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a gift. It's a privilege. There's so many pastors out there who have to work jobs. And so it's very easy to be on staff at a church and just think the whole world revolves around your youth ministry. And when you treat volunteers that way, it is a recipe for burnout. Mm -hmm. Treat them with respect, respect their schedules. If they're married, respect their marriages, respect their kids. I would always tell my leaders, like all I expect from you is that you love the kids and that you're consistent and that you have a heart to serve. If in the context of that, there are, ever nights where you're like, you know what, dude, me and my wife have not been communicating well lately. And we really need a Wednesday night off to like, just resolve some issues and have some time together. That's fine. That's great. Mm-hmm. Like the whole Done ministry deal. is, it's not going to fall apart if they don't show just up. Just tell and, me beforehand. That's all that I yeah, would ever Just expect. communicate. Cause then, yeah, there are times where people just don't show up and that can be frustrating when you're counting on them. But I think just creating this environment where it's not like, okay, you're already working a job. Now this is your second job and you got to clock in and you got to give me your hours. And just when it's so business-like, I think it loses that heart of ministry. People are serving and their schedules don't revolve around us. They have whole lives outside of the youth ministry. So it's very important to respect that and respect that like these are people who are not getting paid to do this. And on top of their jobs, they're also contributing to this ministry that they're, they're helping you with your job that you're getting paid for on top Mm -hmm. of the jobs they're already doing. And so, yeah, it's just so important to remember, to respect the leaders. And, uh, I think that if you respect them, it's going to really build that strong loyalty when they know that you have their back and you're not just using them as an, a means to an end that you're trying to achieve with the group. Absolutely. So good. (laughs) Uh, here's the last one. Are you ready for the final question? Let's do it. Okay. When planning a youth camp or retreat, because I call them camps and you call them retreat. (laughs) Um, what have you found to be the best structure? Should there be more Bible study focused or free time fellowship focused, or maybe something completely different like a hunger game style death match? I, I added that. But that, that would be the ideal summer camp, I think, if just Hunger yeah, Games. Just, just the Hunger Games time. the whole time. That's, that's the best you could do. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Um, a lot of it depends on what your kids already expect from your youth group. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that I normally structured my time was we would do... And this was with middle school. We would do a morning session, which was some worship and about 30 minutes of teaching, sometimes 40 minutes of teaching, something like that. Right. We would do one of those in the morning. We would do one of those at night. And that was the standard every day. And then the rest of the time throughout the day, we would look at and try to make it half spiritual, half fun. Yeah. That's great. Kind of, kind of structure it that way of like, so we would do group Bible reading where we would break the kids down into the smallest groups that we could possibly get. And we would uh, just have them read through a passage of scripture together and talk through it. And and that was part of it. Just super simple, really easy. Let the kids feel like they can read the Bible for themselves. We would do one mm-hmm. of those. And then we would, so like if that would last an hour, we would try to balance it out with let's do an hour of games where it's all organized and it's together. And then it would be, okay, well, we got some small groups. We're going to talk about some stuff. Let's balance that with free time where they could just hang out and be themselves. You know, we would try to create that kind of balance where um, 
we would try to, I, I would look at it in a schedule and say, how long am I asking a kid to be serious for? Yeah. Because if that was a, like there were in, in some of my first schedules, I'd be like, oh man, I'm asking these kids to be serious for five hours in a row. I can't even do that. And I'm right. not in middle school anymore. So it's not even so much how much are you doing as much as how long is any one stretch of seriousness going to be. But that's coming from a youth group where on our normal Wednesdays in our hour and a half of meeting time, we would have like a 15 minute game and then the rest was worship and teaching and small groups. Right. So our kids were kind of used to that. If your youth group runs super different and there's a lot more game time or a lot more hangout time, you can't totally flip the script when it comes to a retreat or a camp because they're not going to be expecting that because that's not what youth group is to them. So you can't deviate. I think you can't deviate too far from what you normally do. I would try to look at it and be like, so when we did two night retreats where it would be, we show up on a Friday night and then we have Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Hmm. I would think of it as, okay, we're going to have like four youth groups essentially Hmm. all in a row with time for them to hang out and decompress in between. Right. That's good. Yeah. I would agree with everything you just said. Um, my context was a little different because I, I did the retreat, uh, thing where it was just my group, but then I also was planning these camps that Calvary Vista would host where we had like 10 other churches come with us. So I'm trying to think, you know, the context of my own group, but then everyone else's group. And I would just say to echo everything Brian just said for you specifically, whatever your context is, whether it's a small camp with just your group or a big camp, just think about what are your goals? Like, what are you trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. in that camp? For me, it was like goal number one, I want kids to grow. Like I want kids to grow in their knowledge of Jesus. Um, Number two, my goal was I wanted those kids to grow in their relationships with one another spiritually. It's so easy to go through youth group and have just shallow surface deep relationships with other people. But I feel like at camps, that's like this time where God does this weird thing and breaks down all these barriers in the walls of kids' hearts. And they develop friendships that are spiritual friendships that last for a lifetime. So, um, and then third, I wanted them to have fun. And that was kind of the order. Like all three of those things were important, but it was, you know, growing in the Lord, growing each other with each other relationally and then fun. So the way I would structure camps is very similar to what Brian said. Like there was always such a, a big focus on growth with the Lord. We do, you know, Bible study in the morning. Bible study in the evening, usually after the morning session, we'd have a little bit of time of small groups. And then always we would end every night in the cabin and each group of students from the different churches would get with their group leader and they would just discuss the day. Like, what did God teach you today in the morning service and the night service? And in those discussion times, I feel like it really bonded the group together right before bed spiritually. And you would see, you know, that kid over there that you thought was just, you know, some guy over there doing his own thing. Like you'd see that he was growing. Everyone was seeing the growth happen. Um, and then as far as like activities, my personality, I'm not a games guy. I never did games in my youth group ever. Um, very briefly when I did middle school ministry, I had a guy who was good at games. And so he helped with that. But usually games for us was just like playing super smash brothers before Wednesday night or whatever. Like we, we didn't do the organized game thing. And so that's not my expertise. But what I did do was I found guys who were good at games. Cause I know that, you know, if you're going to go to a camp, you know, the kids want to have some sort of activity. So 
I just found guys who were better at organizing that than me. And I delegated to them. And just in the week long camp, we usually had just free time, but then we had a Thursday dodgeball match that was always scheduled on Thursdays. And then Fridays was kind of like the big activity day where we would do a boat race and we would do a relay race. And I'm not planning any of that. That's all delegated to other people. So I think, yeah. Does that make sense? Like kind of that mm-hmm. structure of like there's spiritual stuff happening. Free time is this epic time for kids just to hang out and grow and develop those relationships and then introduce the element of fun as well. That that would be the order I would say of importance. Time with God, time with each other and, and fun. They should all be present. Absolutely. Any, any, I think, meaningful retreat or camp is going to have all three of those elements. Yeah. Don't do a camp and not say the Bible, I would say. Like, yeah. But make also sure that's important. But also don't do a camp where it's just intense and not fun. Just inductive Bible study for 20 hours. That's a lot. Yeah. And Calvary Vista's camps back when I was a kid, we actually overkilled it because we would do a sermon in the morning and then a 15 minute break followed up by another sermon. And these are like hour long sermons. Oh man. And as a middle school kid, I can't tell you, I can't remember anything messages from that time period. Yeah. I would get, I would get to lunch and I wouldn't even remember what was preached. You know what I mean? Because it was just too much Bible. So it's you like, you just zone out all of it at that point. Yeah. You got to be strategic and balance it out. And, uh, and I would say to, um, really take the time when you're planning camps to really think about the theme and develop the theme. If you have multiple speakers, be really intentional and find out ahead of time what they're speaking on and make sure that your other speakers aren't speaking on the same thing. Because mm-hmm. if you really want to do a good job communicating with the kids, you want to make sure that they're getting fresh stuff. Like not just like, oh, the camp's theme is love and just everyone just come and teach about love. If that's what you do, more often than not, you're going to get speakers who teach the exact same Bible stories. So I, when I would do camps, like I'd be emailing all of my speakers ahead of time and I'd send them the full list of like what everyone was teaching on so that they could know in advance and plan ahead. So that's Mm -hmm. probably TMI, but no, that's good. Yeah. Well, this concludes our episode on youth ministry. Youth ministry is fun. I love it. Don't give up on it. It's one of the most fun things you're going to do in the church. Yeah. And the overwhelming, oh my goodness, what am I doing feeling it? It won't fully go away, but it'll it'll get a lot easier to deal with. And your vision will become clearer as time goes on. Yeah. And understanding the goal of youth ministry gets a lot more in focus the longer you do it. So don't give up. It's going to be great. Yep. Do everything unto the Lord. Give it to him. Trust him. Just give him what you can and trust that he's going to multiply it and use it. And just wait for that fruit to happen. Even if you don't see it, it's it's coming. It's on its way. It's the Lord's work. It's not yours. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, I enjoyed this conversation, Brian. We should definitely talk about youth ministry on here more. And, Sounds uh, good. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Good Line. Thanks again for listening. This has been a great conversation between Brian Higgins and I. I enjoyed it so much. If you're waiting on more episodes of the Righteousness miniseries, don't worry. Those are just around the corner. We're just finishing some edits on those. And uh, we've got plenty of other great stuff coming up for you soon. So stay tuned to this podcast. If you like it, share it with people. Let people know how it's impacted you. Tell people about it in your churches. If you're a pastor or a youth pastor, 
just spread the word. Give us a rating on iTunes. Let us know. Give us a review how we're doing. Uh, we love you guys so much. Everything that we do is nonprofit ministry. We are so happy to be able to be doing this with our lives right now. We love providing this content and we love blessing all of you. So thank you for listening and thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing here at Good Lion. We'll see you next time.